Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Slate's Working Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every payment method with one simple integration. Plus, we'll give you your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash working. And by Citrix GoToMeeting. When meetings matter, millions choose GoToMeeting. Hold a meeting with anyone from the convenience of your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Try it free for 30 days by visiting gotomeeting.com and clicking the Try It Free button. That's gotomeeting.com. Try it free. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Laura Anderson, a writer and editor for Slate. On today's episode, we talk with someone who cooks professionally, but not in a restaurant. What's your name and what do you do? I'm Santana Benitez, and I'm a freelance chef. And how long have you been a freelance chef? I would say about two years now. Well, I guess I could say I've been cooking professionally for about two and a half years. Um, When I first moved to New York, I went to culinary school. And at the time, I was cooking in restaurants, you know, like, when you start from the bottom, like garde manger, line cooking. And I, you know, I decided that after a while, restaurants were just, you know, the hours are grueling. It's like a redundant thing. Every day you're cooking the same things. And the pay is very little. So after that, after I decided to move on, I thought, you know, once I got more experience, I thought I could actually do this. I could find my clients, and a lot of them came through word of mouth, and just try out the freelancing. So why did you want to become a chef? I actually initially went to culinary school because um, I wanted to be a food writer. Like, I was always into um, food blogging and, you know, food magazines, food media. So I thought, you know, go to culinary school kind of like understand the food side of it, the food jargon, all the cooking terms, because I think that would definitely would have helped me to be a food writer. So I get to culinary school, and I realize that I'm really good at cooking, and I love it, and it's um, my mind shifted from writing to cooking full-time. Before that, you probably knew that you were good at cooking. I assume you, you cooked before you oh, were yeah. culinary school. Oh, yeah, 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 I so did. So what was it that shifted that made you realize? Was it that you were looking at the other people in your class and you realized, oh, I actually have a lot more facility with a knife than they do? Or was it more about just like realizing that you actually really enjoyed the process of cooking? I think it's both. I mean, I think it's more about the enjoyment of the process of cooking because 
with each class, it was like so much fun for me to play with the ingredients and create things. And I also think the cooking side allowed me to express my creative side more than the food writing would. I mean, writing is also very expressive, but I think, you know, to have something tangible and edible kind of spoke to me more. And then, you know, yeah, you, you tend to compare yourselves to others um, when you're in a, in a like scholarly class setting, I guess. Um, and I just felt like I was really good at what I did, so why not? Talk to me about the process of deciding that you wanted to go freelance. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the pay is a lot worse in restaurant kitchens. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty grueling. Um, but you also, I guess, went through that experience while you were in culinary school and then after. So, so was there any specific moment that made you realize, okay, I'm done with this. I need to go freelance. I think the moment was actually when I got my first client while I was working at a restaurant. I ran into someone and they introduced me to a friend of theirs and they were like, hey, we'd love you to come cook for us, you know, at our home. And I was like, yeah, I could definitely do that. And it's funny because when you're setting your own prices at the time, you're like reluctant. Do I tell them this? Do I tell them that? You know, and and you're learning where you buy all your food the best products, you know, when you want to do your own um, dinner parties and whatnot. So I was starting off from the bottom, but then I realized after that first dinner, when they loved it and everything came together really beautifully, and I made that money for myself, I realized that there was no need for me to stay in a restaurant. So how do you set your prices? Is it like you're kind of like a personal restaurant, and so you're charging per dish? Or do you charge for the ingredients and also charge for your labor? I charge hourly for my labor. It's pretty standard, the price, um, but it depends. Like, let's say I'm cooking a private dinner for, like, a couple at their home. I might go on the lower end than I would, you know, let's say, like, a corporate party because the budget is bigger, obviously, and they're going to require more out of me. And then I also, I keep it separate. I provide receipts and shopping lists for my clients so they can see you know exactly how much the food costs because it's a separate it's a separate thing and then I also charge for transportation if I have to transport my groceries my pots my pans because it's a lot of lugging things around so do you have a sort of like set menu that is your standard for dinner party or a corporate affair or do you sort of just like brainstorm with your clients about what they want brainstorm for sure it's um it's cool I'm doing a party for a woman um her husband next Saturday she tells me he loves jazz and he loves um, he's from the Caribbean so he likes really flavorful food so I thought let's do like a midnight New Orleans style brunch you know so she loved the idea so you know New Orleans is very jazzy and the food is very flavorful you know with the Creole Cajun food it's very um, soulful kind of food so just depending on what the client wants and where they're going we can just I dream up menus and it's it's really fun I, I rarely repeat my menus but there are things that people really really love that I tend to you know sneak in in some ways are there any restrictions that you are okay with like do you ever do vegetarian absolutely absolutely I have a a strong background in vegetarian cooking I'm cool with vegan I can cook vegan vegetarian I don't want to go all gluten like if I was like I just need gluten free everything and and vegan on top of that and it's just like well Uh, where's the joy in that like why don't you just like buy a chicken breast and cook it for yourself and eat like boil your vegetables or something like really ultra boring you know but you know what? Um, that being said, I will. I could definitely take on an event that was like, we want to try gluten-free and vegan this, vegan that. But I wouldn't take on a client that consistently requested that. It wouldn't. Ha- it's no fun for me. It has to be fun for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you um, test all of the recipes before you actually? have the moment that you're cooking for your clients or do you have enough of a background in knowing how recipes come together that you feel like you don't need to test them ahead of time? I definitely don't recipe test um, and actually I don't know if I'm getting off on a tangent here but I am hoping to start writing my cookbook very soon and so recipe testing it's more difficult than it sounds so 
I like to keep that separate when it comes to dinner parties. I just think of things that I know can come together nicely that I know I'll be able to handle. But no, I don't do much recipe testing because it, it, it's a lot. And then you'd have to like buy multiple exactly, of the ingredients, which exactly. could, that could definitely add up. Exactly. But I also tend to do it. Chefs, most chefs do this. They tend to buy a little more than what they need because if something goes wrong, you need to have a backup plan and you also need to have like additional portions because you never know who could be added to a dinner party. Can you walk me through a day where in the evening you have a dinner party or a corporate event plan? Do you do all of your shopping the same day? Just what's that? No way. What is that that process like? So usually um, I start shopping about um, let's say two to three days out. Prep work, you have to prep ahead. It's rare that I can do events where I just show up and you know that's ready to go. That's the event. Takes time. I usually have to like transport the groceries or prep up some things on an offsite. Um, Is the prep usually like chopping vegetables? Yeah, okay. chopping vegetables, making sauces, making doughs, anything that can be done in advance that isn't going to compromise the dish. I tend to knock out before actual event day. That's that's really important. And do you do all of this in your own kitchen? Um, some of it. Most of the time, I cook on site. Um, but if it's something like you know, I need a dough or I need um, to pickle something in advance. Like, I'll do things like that at my home, yeah. And then, so the day of you're transporting all of this, do you, like, rent a car? No, I actually just, like, taxi it up. I have uh, this really large plastic bin that carries a lot of things with me, but a lot of the times I'm not building a pop-up kitchen, you know? A lot of times there's already things on site for me, but I recently, earlier in the month, did a complete pop-up kitchen at an art gallery, and that was very challenging but very rewarding and it came out like really great so I like to I prefer projects obviously that already have some kind of something set up for me but I'm very much open to um, lugging and setting up for the right project so when you say pop-up kitchen do you mean that there was literally no cooking equipment nothing what, not even so there wasn't an oven there wasn't nothing a stove? it was um was there a sink there was a sink there was a bathroom sink <laughs> oh. downstairs it's really interesting so it was for an opening um there's an artist that i know tony peralta he just did a rollos and icons art exhibit and one of the main women that he painted and reimagined in his pieces was frida Kahlo. so we wanted to do a um, mexican style sit-down dinner it was like three courses 20 people really really beautiful food but we're like okay how are we going to do this in this art gallery because there's no kitchen but there was a basement so we're like let's get it we got induction burners we built that kitchen like when I say we my friend Fadia her and I did this together we built we made a kitchen and it was actually really amazing to see after it took us some time but it was it was something else (laughs) this episode of working is brought to you by Braintree it's a beautiful thing when your customers want to pay but what if they could pay every way Braintree lets you accept all forms of payment, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Android Pay, and more. Now you can take them all in over 130 currencies. And as your company grows, Braintree will stay by your side from your first dollar to your billionth. All it takes is a couple of lines of code to get started. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash working. How much time are you spending on your feet doing this kind of like physical labor for oh, a typical dinner? Hours. I probably spend like, I would say 12 hours is pretty normal. Is that, is that hard for you? No, it's not. I mean, um, it's actually beneficial to me because it's kind of like my gym. I wish I had more time to go to the gym. I, I probably say that. I do have more time. But, you know, I'm just so tired after working, but I don't feel the guilt because I'm, it's such a physical job. It's so physically demanding. And I'm very comfortable. I have comfortable shoes, comfortable chef clogs. And, you know, chef coats and, and comfortable pants feel like you're working in pajamas. So the comfort of it, you know, helps. Do you plan out 
every step before you go into this cooking situation like okay first I'm gonna make the soup and then while that soup is cooking I'm gonna make the quiche or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be or do you kind of just like have an intuition about what needs to be done when well it depends if it's a small dinner then it's just kind of like off the top of my head but when we did this large event um, I make prep lists I make prep lists for every event that I do and a prep list is basically um, you write down every dish that you're making and then beneath it you write down everything that needs to be done to complete it so if it's like a salad you know just very basic you know wash greens make the vinaigrette cut whatever goes into it you know things like that you have to list every single step that way you know you're crossing all your t's you're dotting all your i's and it also helps to kind of like get a visual of how much work you really have to do. So prep lists are extremely important in most kitchens. And any chef that I've worked underneath has basically taught me that. And I, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to that. And you really should have a prep list. Um, what do you think about the utility of culinary school? You obviously went to culinary mm-hmm. school. So uh, you have a sense of, of what that experience is like. But do you think it's possible for people to learn on the job just by working in different restaurants? Or do you think that they really miss out on a certain level of knowledge or instruction that you got in culinary school? I think that's such a good question because I've heard both sides. I personally will say that I feel like you can absolutely learn under chefs at different restaurants, but the problem with that is chefs aren't going to always have the time to teach you all these interesting tricks and um, traditional foods and every single technique that be, and past, the pastry side of it um, where culinary school that the main focus is that you go and you learn techniques for everything I'm sure there's amazing chefs that aren't classically trained and you definitely don't need culinary school to be an amazing chef but I, I tell people if, if you can afford it if you feel like it's worth it to me I think culinary school is, is kind of key I think it definitely streamlined my cooking it um, elevated my cooking certainly gave me an incredible background on like fundamental techniques for cooking that can be applied to all kinds of cuisines that I don't know that I would have learned under the chefs that I worked under. I mean, I learned cool tricks from them, no doubt, that I add to what I do now, but my bread and butter, I would say, I learned in culinary school. Can you tell me about a specific trick that you learned in culinary school that you really like to do or that really impresses people? A trick. So let's say you want to cut, like, cherry tomatoes or grapes or whatever. It's a small, silly trick, but you basically take um, a plate, a flat plate, and you lay all of your cherry tomatoes or grapes down. You put another plate on top, and you use a bread knife, and you just slice right through, and they're all cut in half. So there's no, like, individual cutting a cherry tomato, next tomato, next tomato. It's like one quick, clean sweep. Also, I mean, cutting an onion, right? I mean, it seems so basic. People think anyone can cut an onion, but when you go to culinary school, you learn the really fast, proficient ways to cut them beautifully and how to, your knife cuts. That's a big thing, Um, which you can learn in restaurants as well, but um, culinary school, I mean, you spend weeks cutting carrots and potatoes and you know, making sure that it's perfect. So how do you cut an onion? I feel like this is a very controversial topic. People have very different techniques. So how do you do it? I know people do. I usually, so what I do is I cut off the top, not the root. You always keep the root on. And then I split the onion down the middle. And then I treat the onion. I treat each side. Um, So I'll take one side and I'll make my cuts going in horizontally. And then I'll turn the onion on top and I'll make them, you know, going vertically. And then I'll turn it again horizontal and cut it off. And all the little cubes whatever size I'd like come out beautifully. So mm-hmm. it's like basically a, a four-cut process, but it's really quick. I mean, I can take an onion and cut it up beautifully in like seconds, so it's mm-hmm. great. And it's a small trick, I mean, but when you see it done and you're not used to it, you're like, whoa, I've been cutting onions wrong my whole life. And it actually helps, you know, because a lot of home cooks don't understand that 
uniformity in your cuts and matter in cooking because let's say you're cooking you're sauteing onions and you have big chunks and little chunks the little chunks are going to burn before the big chunks have a chance to like caramelize so it's really important uniformity so speaking from experience i feel like when i start writing about something that i really like on a personal level some, it sort of becomes like work, and so my relationship with it kind of changes. Like mm. it, it's it's not as much fun. It's not quite as much fun as it used to be because now it's work. Uh, so you have not had that experience. I haven't because I think that um, you know writing moves people for sure. But I think that again, cooking is so instant that it's like you might spend weeks on a piece, you know, and it just becomes grueling, or you're just like, oh, I just you know so much editing. But when you cook for someone or you know, they're, they're comforted immediately and you just, you can spread that joy, right? So it doesn't feel like a project that just kind of can drag on sometimes, you know? And um, don't get me wrong, I have times or a couple days where I just don't cook because I've been worked so hard that I'm just like, I need a break. But no, I don't, cooking doesn't feel like a chore. It feels like a joy and it's something that um, you have to eat every day, right? So <laughs> if I'm going to eat, I want to make something interesting and exciting and delicious. This episode of Working is also brought to you by Citrix GoToMeeting. Think about the time, money, and hassle it takes to set up and hold a meeting. What if you could meet your clients and coworkers online? You can with Citrix GoToMeeting. Citrix GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to and wherever you are. You can meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone. You don't have to worry about travel expenses or the hassle of traffic. And your team can join by clicking a link. There are no signups or speed bumps. You can also share screens to present, review, and get feedback in real time. Because with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you are seeing, so your team can get on the same page and get going. To sign up for GoToMeeting, you can get a free trial for 30 days. Just visit gotomeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. Do it now and have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's gotomeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. Do you have a favorite recipe to cook for yourself? I, I When I say I switch up my food a lot, I mean that. But um, I'm really into soups right now. I mean, I'm, I'm always a soup person, but I love creamy, hearty soups. Um, and I also tend to make a lot of um, seared fish. Like I'll pan sear fish, pan roast it, or make like a little pan sauce. Um, I like fresh greens, grains. But I'm definitely into soups and like, you know, searing meat and fish. That's my thing. Which, like, which cultures do you sort of draw on in your cooking? I absolutely tend to go Asian with my food. Um, Asian influence, Asian flavors. I like that umami. I like the soy, the sesame, the garlic, the ginger, the scallion, the fresh, bright herbs, the lime. That's definitely like where my palate is. But I also um, incorporate a lot of Caribbean influence just because of my background. My, my father is Puerto Rican, but grew up in St. Croix, so it's like a very West Indian, Latino perspective mixed with Asian. And then my mother kind of raised me on traditional soul foods, so it's a, it's a, it's a mix-up of all that. I wanted to ask about your clients mm-hmm. and just like who they are. Who do you think like the typical client is for you, someone who wants you to come and cook in their home? What's their, what's their background and why do you think they want a personal chef? They're really like all across the board. Um, I've had jazz musician clients. Um, There's a woman I'm doing an event for. She works for a magazine. Um, Another friend of mine just set up a cooking class for me for the the company that she works for. So it's really all over the place. I think people really like the experience of creating their own restaurant for their people, right? It's something, and, you know, when they when they meet me and, and we learn each other and they understand that I'm kind of, like, warm and open and fun, I think that that makes it clients like that personal touch of knowing, meeting the chef, knowing the chef, and then 
they can create their experience that they want at a place that they that they want. And I think people really like that, especially in a place like New York, where you can go anywhere for good food, but people are into experiences and unique things here. And I think that being a chef in that arena and kind of like creating experiences for people is really cool, and people are into that. Um, do you? Feel like you have to promote yourself on social media or on a website? Has the internet sort of changed the way that that personal chefs uh, find new clients? Absolutely. I mean, I think also now it's really easy for me when a client is interested and they want to see, well, what kind of food do you cook? I'm like, check out my hashtag. I know it sounds really cheesy, but I've hashtagged all of my meals. I have like hundreds of beautiful dishes and plates, desserts, foods, everything on there, so people can get a real sense of you know what it is that I like to cook. There's a lot of like noise on on social media and a lot of like nonsense, and so people think it might not be a place for business, but it a hundred percent is. And also, that's how other people find out about you. You know, when people link you, um, you get a lot of clients that way. So you mentioned that you're working on a cookbook. Yes, I just made up my mind to do that. People have been saying you're gonna make a cookbook, you're gonna make a cookbook, and I'm like, you know what? I need to make a cookbook, and I think what's been what's been pushing, you know, putting I've been putting it off because I actually understand what it takes to do recipe testing, and cookbooks are very ambitious because you can't just say, oh well, this is how I make it. I'm going to write it down, take few pictures, and put it in a book. You have to make sure that you consider measurements. Um, you have to calibrate your ovens. You have to test it at different temperatures. You have to consider maybe your readers are in like high altitudes so you have to you know allow for that and add tips in for that it's, it's pretty nuanced um i would say the, the process of making a cookbook so yeah but I'm, I'm ready to do it i think it's 2016 is a good year to do it when you're normally cooking do you measure things out or do you just kind of eyeball everything if i'm baking yes because baking is very scientific and very precise but there's some baking even baking recipes that i don't measure when it comes to cooking no it's like I just, at this point, I kind of feel like I can, I know what needs to go in something. And if I taste it and it's off, I mostly know what to do to adjust it. So I don't usually measure my foods out. Do you want to keep doing the freelance thing uh, indefinitely or do you have uh, other plans for the future? I definitely have other plans for the future. My ultimate dream goal, I, I envision myself owning a beautiful small bed and breakfast, but with a with um, an amazing kitchen that's open to the public in the Caribbean. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> all great. these layers. <laughs> so um, I want to actually move back to Panama. I lived there for four years when I was a child and I recently went there on vacation and it's just a place that really speaks to me and I kind of feel like that's where I need to be. So I see myself in a few years moving out there, starting my own place, having my own kitchen. And I could see it being written up in like, you know, times travel. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. You can email us at working at slate.com and dig through our first four seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by Jason DeLeon. Our senior producer is Mike Buolo and our executive producer is Andy Bowers. I'm Laura Anderson. See you next time on Working. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 